2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
3: That is a harsh lesson in business.
2: Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage
0: Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Brian Peller in here, Ben Meyerson, John Marchant, all of us uh, together. And uh, this is normally the post-North Alabama episode. But I think before we even mention a final score or talk about anything else that is to come or, or what's in the future or what any of this really means, I feel like the obvious place to start today is uh, with Jordan Travis, obviously suffering the big injury on Saturday to the leg there on the... Uh, on the tackle season here is, is, is done, but I I can't, I can't help but feel like the correct place to start is man. That guy means so much to this program and where they are at, at this moment Uh, leading into this year, obviously the, the, what it means is something we can talk about, but uh, John, you're the guy who has been here the longest on this pod and um, I feel like I need to just cede the floor to you here. It's it's obviously you and I have been talking from debating whether Jordan should start with with the competitions they've had at quarterback to the point now where um, you know I think the last thing we said on the pod last week is is go out to Doak and and celebrate a, a legend of this program and uh, it sucks to see it end like this.
3: Yeah, it, I mean it was sudden. It was it was brutal. The the timing of it was just heartbreaking. Um, you know, when Jordan transferred here from Louisville, he was more of a run first player, right. Very, very raw and the steps. I mean, this whole podcast has been around long enough to kind of trace his growth and development as a player and a person and what he's meant to this program as, uh you know, immeasurable. And I, I don't know how you, there's no way to quantify it or, or, or to put it into words. I think that would be, be enough for, what he's meant to this program and the players and the fans and everything. And, you know, to see, you know, he's on the cusp of the culmination of all the four years that, you know, all the years that he's been here and all the work that he's put in here, you're, you're about to play Florida, maybe, you know, try to seal up an undefeated regular season, you know, win that ACC title that you've been working toward, maybe, maybe make a playoff spot and to go down against the FCS team. It, I don't, I mean, it's one of the worst things that I've, seen as a sports fan
0: it, it just doesn't feel right it is it's kind of the way i i feel like it, it's in my head like like i think the tim tim's article i think kind of covered this right earlier today it's the dude embodied the climb right which is what this has been the the from the the depths of of you're not worth this and this you aren't good enough for this to the point where, like you mentioned, you're you're angling for an undefeated regular season, something that's not been done. It's you're in the playoff conversation. You're looking at an ACC championship, and you've lived up to everything we kind of expected from you this year. And 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 you know you can nitpick, and well, the numbers aren't gaudy, but the dude did every play. You could have asked him to do it more to win you games all year. Um, did it without his top receivers, and and Ben, you just can't speak enough to. It's just the leader, the 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 growth this guy put in over his years. It's just uh, he's he's a, a legend of this program.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you know, I think you guys have kind of covered a lot of the the great points already. In that, you know, he just embodied what this turnaround of this program was, and um, this this end to the season starting to feel like the culmination of of all of that of 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 him of mike norvell of of this program and where they were headed um and yeah you just got you just really got a feel for jordan a very unsatisfying end to a career um you know i think with just with with how it ended you kind of you have this this unsatisfactory this i don't know i'm kind of at a, a loss for for words right now it's very hard to describe um just how down we all feel right now obviously you know there's still games ahead to be played but um you know for a guy who's meant so much to this program for it to end like this like like john said against an fcs team um just how quick it happened i mean you know it's just yeah i can't really imagine anything like it in sports so um really just more than anything, feel for a guy like Jordan, who's done everything the right way, who's put everything into this, you know, just the ultimate character guy. Um, I got a lot of time, you know, seeing Jordan in person close when I was um, on campus doing a lot of work um, that 21 and that 22 season um, and and a little bit that 20 season. And uh, you know, Jordan was, the guy everyone thought he was on and off the field, you know, at all times. So I, I think more than anything, I kind of just walk away feeling really, really bad for a kid who um, you know, just yeah, he did everything the right way and and um he almost quit on the sport or quit on the position, I should say. And then, you know, turned it around and and was the Heisman guy. Like you mentioned, you know, Brian, not necessarily the gaudy numbers, you know, and and all of that, but in reality where this program was headed and where he's brought them. They were on the cusp of, you know, being a true contender. Um and, you know, we just really won't get to see that through with Jordan at least.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the season isn't over. There are games. And again, we will we will get to some of that and kind of how they go forward. Um, but his development is one thing, Ben, that I I wanted to jump back to you with because You mentioned he was a guy who was run first, and this year we talked a lot about uh, how he hasn't done that. They've kept that up their sleeve a lot this season. And um, we we wondered for those first few years, did he have the arm talent, the consistency to be the quarterback to lead this team places? Obviously, he answers that, shows you he is – um, and you want that guy to 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 punctuate and at least have that finish what he started because it's been such a level of growth. But what even I think on top of it with Saturday was, you know, uh, it, obviously Jameis is there. It, it's retire his number night. The 13th, the uh, 2013 season team is there. Um, and it was kind of like, wow, you're watching, you know, one quarterback enshrined in greatness forever. While another guy you're expecting to be in probably that same conversation 10 years from now is going to, you know, finish off his last game at home, his last game in front of his fan base and, and punctuate what's going to be, you know, likely a a, a at least a, a Heisman finalist season that you probably felt like. Um, and, and, you know, you just wish that guy got to finish that, finish his own clock. Um, and in some ways, I mean, you know, obviously he did, he's, he's progressed, but um, you know, you wish he got the chance to see it all the way through and, and get to continue watching him finish out that game.
1: Yeah. And, and even then, you know, James was wearing that number 13 jersey as well. Um, and and I think that kind of just, I don't want to say added to the moment, but it just it kind of brought it all up into perspective, just how important Jordan is to this program to have a Heisman winning quarterback, number one overall pick, uh, national champion, all those things come and and have his number retired and he's wearing, you know, that guy's Jersey. Um, You know, that just kind of goes even further to tell you just how important Jordan was to this program. I mean, I, I, I don't want to do the career total retrospective thing right now, because I'm sure we'll have some time for that. But I, I do think, at least from my memory, he's, he's, the best and most impactful quarterback that didn't win the Heisman in, um, in my lifetime at Florida state. Um, so, you know, I think it's uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm really down right now. It sucks, man. It, it's just that <laughs> it's, sports sucks sometimes. Um, and this is just one of those moments that I think we're going to look back on and, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, I don't think this is how we're going to completely remember Jordan's career. But I do think when we bring up Jordan's career in the future and we talk about what he meant to this program, um, you know, what Mike Norvell does afterwards will certainly be part of that because Jordan led them there. But uh, one of the main points people will bring up is the horrific injury, what happened and the fact that, you know, they were headed towards potentially competing for the national championship. And then, you know, things just ended that quickly on, on that type of play. John, you've obviously
0: got the more of the history perspective and, and and not to put you on this, you know, career arch and obviously everything where everything ends today is a uh is about Jordan. But I mean in terms of, of Florida State quarterbacks, uh, you know, obviously his FSU his career is pretty much bowed up here, but where do you see him in, in that same thing that kind of Ben mentioned in terms of quarterbacks of obviously, you know, Ben and I's lifetime but I mean overall in this program's history we did all the Mount Rushmore articles all off season and and it felt like he was a shoe in for that and um I I assume that's where you're at too
3: I mean yeah I don't think well yeah I think Travis has been a a great great player um you know the game has changed so much from you know in the 90s when Florida State was just you know we're kind of there's always another guy in the wings but you know they sat for three years and they're junior and stuff like that you know I think one thing that makes Travis special and again the whole thing about the climb and everything is just how far he's come and how much he's developed as a player uh again as a run first guy you know kind of developing that passing aspect of it, being a guy who could you know make all those reads and progressions and like you you guys mentioned earlier, a guy who didn't want to be run for he wasn't run first at all he was I don't want to run at all and he didn't you know I we went back and forth and argued whether he needed to in certain situations um but Florsey got to a you know 10 and 0 11 0 without him doing that and again going you know winning three games in 2020 then five games and then 10 games last year and now 11 and 0 you know you're going to be expected to go 12 and 0 i mean they rode that with him as he got better the team got better the program got better and It's one thing, you know, to take over when, you know, say Florida State in the heyday and they're winning all those games and you take over as, you know, a redshirt junior or something and the team's gone, you know, finished top four for six or seven straight years kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? To to come from the absolute, almost rock bottom, really. You lose to Jacksonville State and fight and claw and scratch and, you know, just will this team to be who they are, what they are now and – I loved how Ben brought up, you know, Jameis wearing Jordan Travis's jersey and celebrating the 2013 national title game there, and I, I think that's what makes this even more devastating and heartbreaking than it might have otherwise been. I mean, you're looking backward, you're celebrating that team. I don't think it's a coincidence, you know. To, it's 10 years later, and you have all those guys here for this game, and you're looking back while looking forward, like. All of that was right about to happen, right? How far could Travis really take this team? It's all right there. And then it just ends, like, shockingly, suddenly, it's just over. And again, the season's not over, but it was also a celebration of Travis, you know? And that's, I think, the part that that sucks the most. Yeah,
0: see, senior night, a, a guy being celebrated Um, And and to put a bow on on this portion of it and and things, you know, obviously I am more than happy to recommend that anybody out there feel free. It looked like uh, the the address, the athletic department is floating around on Twitter X, whatever that is. I'm sure it's being screenshotted on other social media platforms and, uh, you know, send in letters of, of both, you know, well wishes. And of course, thanks for what Jordan's meant to this program. Obviously he's not a kid. I think that's going to get down on himself and, uh, those sorts of things. But at the same time, that's a human being, man. And, uh, you know, life gets hard and, and it just sucks for a guy that uh, to be down like that. And, and hopefully this community, this fan base, this uh, alumni group and everything else about it can can be that uh, voice of support for him as he's got a, a road ahead of him to get back and, and hopefully be playing football again at the, the level we're used to and doing the things he loves, man. Um, when I pull it all the way back, it's a guy – Who lost his job, transferred, lost his job. What's he going to be? Is he not good enough? Is he not good enough? Is this program ever coming back? Who single-handedly, I think we can all kind of agree there, single-handedly is the player for this turnaround, this climb, this build. And for that, Jordan, it's it's a pretty simple thank you. I mean – Wherever this season goes, wherever this season ends up, it's it's it. None of it is possible without that guy under center. And uh, you know, hats off to you, man. Right, wishing the best for you, and and hopefully we get you back and see you sooner than later. And of course, I'm sure you'll be back soon enough for plenty more celebrations of you, your career, and everything you've meant to this program. Um, So again, thank you. To to kind of very awkwardly transition now that, like you mentioned, there is. Still a season, and I'm sure Jordan himself is sitting there trying to do everything he can to get this thing going. Ben, you've been nodding and uh, alluding to it. They go to Tate now. He, he looked fine in the UNA game, obviously, won a year ago on the road without Jordan. Um, you got Florida and Louisville left to go. That's been decided now after Louisville beat Miami in the ACC to, to clinch their ACC championship berth two games separate you from what could be a playoff, and I don't really care to talk about the what this means for the playoff portions of it just yet. Um, what do you do to make this offense home with, with Tate back there? Because uh, I think it's been pretty clear this year to me they, that I've written off the running game a few different times, so I don't think the answer is just lean on them. And uh, how, how do you make Tate the guy to get this thing running and keep it going?
1: Well, I think, you know, everyone has to step up. You know that, that that's the first thing that stands out to me. You know, when, when a huge player like this goes down, I think the team's got to put their arms around Tate and really, you know, everyone has to to rise to the occasion. Um, you know, so I I think for this Florida game and and, and for this ACC championship game, I, I expect them to to lean into the running game even though it hasn't been good. Um, I, I I think you know they'll lean into the screen game more. But I, I I don't know. I, I think this offense will look different. Um, but I don't think it's gonna look so drastically different. I think we'll see a lot of similar concepts. I I I just think it's more about Tate, um, you know, how he's going to attack those concepts, how he's going to play, you know, what what Mike Norvell gives to him. Um, because each quarterback's gonna react different. Um, so, so I do think we're going to see, even though I don't think the plays will be wholly different, you know, I think it'll be somewhat different. Um, I, I think it'll look a lot different because of how Tate plays the position. And, um, you know, I, I think from yesterday, obviously it's not the greatest opponent that they were facing, but, um, I was impressed by, you know, how he kind of navigated some of those muddy pockets, um, how, how he navigated just his pocket presence in general, I thought was pretty good. Um, and and he seems to really, really love throwing the ball to Johnny Wilson. Um, and he was really successful doing that. So I, I think they're going to lean on Johnny Wilson quite a bit. Um, and we saw that against Louisville last year as well. When when Tate came in relief of Jordan um, for that second half or end of the game. Um, so, you know, I I am really curious to see what Mike Norville does because um, we got a taste of what, that offense would look like last year with Tate, but we really haven't got that chance this year with any of the starters against good competition to see, you know, what they would try and do in a must win sort of situation. So um, I I think Florida is going to be a really, really good litmus test to see, you know, what are they going to be leaning into? How good are they against an opponent like that? Um, So I, I do expect to see a lot more underneath a lot shorter, um, you know, I, I don't know if I quite expect them to attack the field the same way they do at Jordan. Um, but I'm also really open to the idea that, you know, it could look totally different from what I'm expecting. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't know if they're going to be able to flip the offense overnight for Tate. But um, I, I do think they'll find ways to adjust to his strengths, find the plays that he likes and then lean into that.
0: John, I assume it's uh, it's similar to that. Guys just kind of got to step up?
3: Yeah, I do think uh, – I think a lot of it goes actually on the coaches. I think the coaching staff has a lot more to do uh, to scheme around, you know, losing Jordan Travis. I think that, um, it, you know, based on some things, the offensive line, they actually gave up a pretty high pressure rate. Um, you know, we know they've been kind of a weakness, but Jordan Travis, I think, uh, covered up a lot of their issues, you know, extended plays, um, you know, kind of got them uh you know turned them into positive whether he took off or through down the field and I think you know Tate I think as Ben said, you know his pocket presence wasn't wasn't too bad he showed some some good things to get the ball out I do you think his 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 uh clock could be a little bit faster he needs to get the ball a little bit faster so I would like to see the coaching staff kind of, you know force his hand so to speak right You know, you have Rpos, you got package plays. Uh, you could limit him, you know, roll him out, put him on, you know, so only looking to read one side of the field, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, you don't want to overwhelm him. I know, you know, Florida's defense is not very good. Uh, so they, they should have some things to attack with, but you're going to have to help him out more than you did Travis. And because all of those sacks that, you know, like we talked about just the other week, right? Where Travis took, I think it was three sacks, right? And they gave against Miami. That was really uncharacteristic. That doesn't happen. You're going to look at way more sacks with Tate if you don't make him get the ball out of his hands. He will hold on to it too long and take those sacks, and you'll see the the scoring 27 points per game is not. That's not going to happen, and you don't really want to stumble at this point in the season, right? So, you know, I think the coaches are going to have to help him out, kind of scheme around his weaknesses, and and uh, to put them in the best position to succeed. So that's what I expect.
0: are are you worried about Tate's willingness to take shots with, with the receiving core? Like, I mean, obviously that that's kind of been their, their best asset is, is letting Dion and Johnny win those one-on-ones.
3: Right. I'm not saying that Tate won't take those shots downfield. It's just that his processing speed seems to be at least a minimum a beat or two slower than Travis. And to me, it was really obvious in the second half against, uh, against, or even in the second quarter against North Alabama, that he's just it—he's just not as quick, right? And everything takes longer. I um, mean, that can lead to late throws that can create turnovers. Uh, again, if you happen to not feel the pressure on the backside, you know that could lead to a strip sack fumble. Uh, those types of plays will kill you. Uh, you know, so the margins for error, in my opinion, are, are smaller, uh, and that—that's going to be again something that they're going to have to help him with. I do think that they can manufacture those shot plays. Instead of just Travis dropping back from shotgun, you know, reading the field and delivering the ball and a a post or something that Johnny or Keon or whatever he's doing. I think we'll see a lot of screens, which is kind of great that they spent so much time this season developing the screen game. That's going to help out Tate a lot. But I also think they could, you know, utilize the play action pass game a lot more. Than they did with Jordan Travis. So, like, whenever when Travis got hurt last year, right? If you guys remember, they put Tate in, kind of stumbled for a little bit, and then they come out just before halftime, and then they kind of solidified it after halftime using more of like a pistol eye, where that whole game before that, they were doing like four or five wide, a lot of empties, you know, uh, unbalanced trip sets to one side. They come out with Travis, I mean, with Tate, uh, Tate Rodemaker, and they're doing more of the pistol eye, kind of two tight ends, heavy set, kind of jumbo formations. I think we may see something like that also, right? Um, obviously, offensive line not good this year. So, you know, but you do have way more talent tie-in, I think. So there's a lot of different things they can do. I think I saw somebody tweet that Rodemaker and Jaheim Bell were high school teammates. I don't know if Rodemaker was actually throwing to Jaheim or not, if he was a starting quarterback there, if he was or not. But uh, there at least some rapport there. So there's a lot of cool things that they could use and fall back on and scheme around to kind of help them out.
1: Yeah, there, there certainly is a lot they can do. Um, and, and Tate did, um, I, I believe he was the starting quarterback with Jaheem Bell, um, in high school and, and they competed in a state championship. I want to say, I I I, I want to say somewhere someone said that they won the state championship, but I can't confirm that right now, but, no, I, I do think you're, you're you're right, John, that even though this offensive line unit is, it's a problem um, and, and it's not certainly going to be fixed over these next few weeks, they can find ways to scheme around that weakness as well as, you know, Tate's limitations and, and the fact that he is going to be a beat or two slower in his processing speed. Um, you know, I think, like you mentioned, the screen game is a big part of that, but using those tight ends in a smart way to where, you know, they can pepper the middle of the field, take the pressure off Tate, get him. I, you know, I think the biggest thing with him with long developing plays, like you, like you mentioned, is it's not going to be like Jordan Travis, where he sits back in shotgun and just bombs away downfield and lets the play develop because with Tate, you know, if you try and let the play develop, that's going to lead to sacks. It's going to lead to strip sacks. It's going to lead to, you know, those sorts of really negative plays. So I I think they have to be smarter about it where, you know, they use play action, they get him moving on his feet um, and and they find ways to change his launch points so that, you know, hopefully he can make, it doesn't have to completely make a defender miss, but, you know, just use a little misdirection to put him in a better position Um, And and in some ways, John, I I really do think that, you know, Mike Norvell, I liked the the offense much better last year. Obviously, the personnel had to do a big part of that, right, with the offensive line and how good they were with running the ball. Um, But I just have not been as, as impressed this year with Mike Norvell's, you know, some of the adjustments they've made. Um, just how deep they've gone into the offense, and yeah, the offense has been great, but the talent is great as well, right? So, but I actually think in this scenario with Tate, with the move to this, I think this is actually kind of—I uh, don't—it's not good for Mike Norvell. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying, but it's a challenge for him in a way to where you know I think we've seen Mike Norvell do a lot of good things with limited teams, right? Where either the playmakers were limited or the offensive line was limited. Now he's got to do it with a quarterback who's more limited at least than Jordan Travis is. So I think in some ways, like like you mentioned earlier, you're putting the challenge more so on the coaches than anything to, to make the adjustments, to find the solutions um and and against florida i'm really curious to see you know what are the easy buttons going to be for them in that game how are they going to just get easy chunk 5 10 15 yard plays because i i think if they can figure that out they can find ways to scheme up those shot plays every now and then use play action like you mentioned They, they can do different things to dial up those big explosive plays that we're used to from an fsu team but what I think the challenge is going to be is down to down, moving the ball down the field, really getting that consistent offense going because this, this offense this year has been so dependent on those big explosive plays and and they haven't been as good, you know, at getting those just simple five, 10, 12 yard completions so that you can keep the chains moving. That's, that's what I think I'm going to be really most curious to see against Florida.
3: Well, right. And, and like, I think one thing that to kind of summarize this, I think one thing that, you're going to miss with, with not having Travis is he just limited all of your negative plays. Right. And so Travis, I mean, with Tate, you're going to have a lot more negative plays. It just is, but yeah. How do the coaches scheme around that? How do you give him, uh, you know, get Tate into more advantageous, more, more kind of limit, take away his ability to maybe kind of hurt you in that way. And a lot of it is, you know, using the tight ends, um especially in the red zone or short yardage uh you know using screens and things like that to the tight ends and the running backs you have a lot of skill position talent we talked a lot this year too about you know throwing to the running backs out of the backfield that's been a really successful efficient play for them kind of and even explosive so there's a lot of ways they're gonna have to do stuff like that but again my concern is you know kind of forcing tate to just make that throw like get it out of his hands not let him hold the ball um uh, and, and you know, to your point, I think that they, they have a lot of stuff to do that. I want to say, too, I've written a lot over the years at Tomahawk Nation about Mike Norvell and his offense. And and to your point, which is a, a great point, is even Norvell's Memphis teams, they did such a, you know, like I, I I said this a couple of times. When he had Darrell Henderson, right, I think it was Tony, Tony Pollard, he would put them in the Wildcat 35 times a game. You know, and then the next year when those guys are off to the NFL, he had a quarterback but not the running back talent. He would go five wide, and he just get the guy to get the ball out, right? One, two, three, ball out, one, two, three, ball out, screen here, short pass here, out route slant, um, maybe hit a bang eight kind of post or whatever, a real quick throw up the seam, all those kinds of things. So Norvell's been, I think, in my experience, one of the, you know, he's very committed to matching the scheme to the talent he has on hand. So I do expect him to do that with Tate. Uh, I do expect him, you know, and, and him and Atkins to kind of scheme something up to to make that. But I, you know, that's what it's going to come down to. You, you got two games left, really, for all these goals. That we said that there were, you know, again for me, the playoff was always a you know cherry on top kind of thing. It was winning the ACC, and right now you're one game away from an undefeated regular season. We all really want that game, right? We want that kind of feather in the cap. So they got two games. You absolutely have to win. You got to figure out how to do it.
0: And I think yeah. one of the blessings in disguise here for you – well, I don't even call it a blessing in disguise was, – was Graham Mertz's injury as well that allows this Florida game to maybe be – and look, I'm not even going to pretend to act like I know what Florida's backup quarterback looks like. Uh, I do know Ertz has been <laughs> – Mertz has been playing better of late um, and at least being effective, efficient, not exactly like some kind of right home a bottom top 10 pick kind of guy. Um, but, you know, you're playing Florida who's also going to be trying to do – Pick it up on the fly where maybe there's not as much pressure to where, you know, I'm. you think with Mertz, if they get the ball first, go down and score, then it's all right. Well, now you've got to quickly come out and, and find what it is that you're going to be good with. Maybe with a backup, you get a little bit more uh, breathing room for yourself to figure out what you're going to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it certainly makes it a much easier scenario to deal with And I think it's going to allow Mike Norvell to test out some different things that, you know, maybe he would have been more conservative going into this game. Or like you mentioned, Brian, with how game script could have gone, you know, if if Mertz was playing, he could have put a lot of pressure on Florida State to produce right away. And I think that's, you know, a scenario where you just don't want to see Tate and you want to see him be in in a more comfortable, advantageous situation. you know, and, and and I and like John was saying, too, you have two games left to really prove what this team is. And you know what, for Tate too, this is a tryout of sorts for next year as well. You know, for him, this is going to be, you know, his resume for, it, you know, him being the starting quarterback for this team next season. Um, and and like 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 you mentioned, John, that the playoff is always kind of a cherry on top, um. And, and it's hard to foresee a scenario right now where they they make that push and you know they 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 are in the playoff and, and they're really that frisky team. But you can certainly make things a lot harder for the decision makers of the college football playoff. And and I think you know as unsatisfying as the season will feel in retrospect, I, I think what you can do with these last two games is, you know, push the limit with this team really, you know, prove what this team is about. I think this defense has been excellent and they've been getting better and better and better. Um, so I, you know, I I don't want to talk too much about playoffs, but I I don't think it's, I don't want to say there's no path to it. Um, because obviously kind of, you know, anything can happen in college football, right. You know, we, we just saw that with Florida state, but, um, you can you can certainly position yourself to you know try and make things a lot harder for the decision makers um and you know yeah for tate like i said this is really just the, the ultimate um resume this is the ultimate interview for him this is going to be you know his statement for why he should be the guy next year um so you know just What do you think about about that, John, just in terms of Tate next year? You know, I don't want to look too forward, but this is his interview right now, these last two games.
3: Yeah, I mean, it looks like Brock Glenn has passed A.J. Duffy on the depth chart. You know, Glenn got a significant amount of burn against North Alabama at the end of the game. Um, You know, I, I thought that. Brock Glenn and, and and UF's backup quarterback, Max Brown, had some similarities to them. I think Max Brown had, a, obviously, a little bit better grasp of UF's offense. But Brown, you know, look, I, I'll say this, too. I think Mertz did a a better job, obviously, with Florida did what, than he was at Wisconsin. He, you know, kind of either developed or kind of routed out his game a little bit. He's always been more of I, – I, I think Mertz is a guy you'd want to keep in the pocket, right? But he was pretty good at extending plays and excellent – about as good as Travis – at doing something once he was outside the pocket, and you're going to lose that if you're UF. So I watched quite a bit of that game after he went down. Then um, Brown didn't play a lot after after Burtz went down. But from what I did see, he's obviously a run first guy. Uh, he, you know, so he's he's raw. He's a younger guy. Um, you know, I think Tate is farther along than him. In terms of executing a passing game, so I think the you know for Florida State stopping the running game against UF is going to be a really big deal. You know, keeping Max Brown in the pocket, not letting him. You know, obviously they ran a bunch of zone reads and torch Mizzou almost, almost won that game because of it. So that's going to be something that Florida State's going to have to prepare for. Uh, other than that, uh yeah, yeah, Ben, I think you know it is a, a competition for Tay. You know, he's going to get the job. And he's going to finish out the season as a starting quarterback. You know, no issues there. But then going in next season, going to the spring game and spring ball and all the other stuff in the fall camp, it may be a little bit of a competition. And they're going to play the best player. And um, and it's not that Tate's not athletic; he actually is a little bit. Um, he can give you something on the ground. But you know, can you avoid the negative plays? And can you get the offense in the right play? That because Norvell's scheme is explosive, right? Just by design, he likes to put one offensive player against one defender, right? And he expects you to make that guy miss and it's off to the races. And that's kind of how his, his offense works and his, and it, you know, his design and everything like that. It's consistently does that. And that's great. When you're at Florida state, you're going to have the athletes to do that. So can Tate execute the offense? Can he avoid negative plays? Uh, if he does all that, then I don't, you know, Brock Glenn won't have a chance. I don't think it'll be Glenn show. a we'll battle out with a uh, Hawk Hawker, whatever that kid's name is coming uh, after him, but um, yeah, absolutely. You know, if Tate goes out there and really, you know, kind of stinks it up and turns the ball over a bunch and maybe FSU drops one of these two games, then I, I, what do you do at that point? Do you just start playing for the next season? I mean, I, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but for now, I think Tate will be okay.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I well, think he'll be okay, but he has the opportunity to to shut any portal talk down or, you know, any, anything like that, or, or at least a significant portal ad. Um, but sorry, Brian. I, I saw you were you are eager to chomp at the bit.
0: <laughs> no, I mean I was also going to say, you know, I mean we look at always like who steps up on offense, right? Is it Keon who steps up? Is it is it Johnny who steps up? Is is um, uh, does Benson step? You know, I mean we obviously look at the offense, but I mean in, in times like this, obviously rallying around a leader. Maybe the entire defensive side of the ball also steps. I mean they've been great. You've mentioned it, and I, I was. Pushing last week, like, let's see them do it against a, a, a better opponent than they had the last few months. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Florida is the team to show that, but don't let that be a team who does. You know, if the defense steps up and gives you the efforts that they've been giving you, um, you know, like John said, maybe they don't give you the 27 a game. Maybe they give you 22 a game or 20 a game. And and that's enough. Or if, the you know, the defense gets a, you know, a couple of turnovers to put you in advantageous positions to get you free points and cheaper points, you know, uh, Great, you know, let's let's start seeing those those turnovers bounce away in shorter fields and giving Tate uh, more chances. Ben, I did want to ask you because you mentioned it. Um, I've seen it talked about a ton, obviously, in, in terms of playoff and um, the impact Jordan's injury is going to have, not just on Florida State potentially dropping one of these two upcoming games, it, but even if they run the table in terms of being down a player um and and what they look like do you buy into that at all is that i'm sure florida state fans are out there seeing it getting hit with it is that something that that you buy that they should be concerned with
1: oh yeah i i think you should be concerned just because of the teams who are on the outside looking in right you know i i think that's really the big concern with washington and oregon um i you know i think it's just a situation where before this happened you could look at the the rest of the schedule and say they control their destiny, you know, if they went out they should be in and if they aren't, you know, there's something screwed up about the system. <laughs> but I I I don't think I, I, don't think you can say that now. Um, there are examples you can point to like Ohio state 2014, that first year. Um, I I forget what game they lost their starting quarterback exactly. Um, but they went on with their third stringer. I want to say to, to ultimately did they win that year? I think, yeah, they,
0: they did. I think it was JT Barrett who was the starter who got hurt. And, uh, I forget the backup, but then Cardell Jones was the third string who, uh, we don't come here to play school who ended up running off through the championship. There's actually back-to-back podcasts here that I've done on Tomahawk nation where we mentioned Cardell Jones. So uh, <laughs> how about that? And that was even pre this, but yeah, they did win the championship that year.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to say there is no path to it. I think it's just a lot harder to see that path now. And, and, and I think, you know, I think before if FSU was less left, left out of some playoff scenario where they went out, I, I think we'd be, have good reason to be mad and, and, and feel unfulfilled and, you know, feel like that isn't fair and all those sort of things. I, I think even if FSU runs the table, I I could see them being in, but if they were left out, I don't think I would have a major issue with it just because ultimately you do want the four best teams at the end. And without Jordan Travis, it's, I think it's harder to say that they're quite there. So um you know, I think they can still do it. Um, and and I don't want to say it's impossible because it isn't. Um, but you know, if it happens, I, I, I'm i not going to come on the pod and say, Oh, it's totally unfair, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I would understand it.
0: I have my thoughts as the, as the quote unquote outsider guy but but John, I'm, I'm curious yours.
1: Um,
3: I we're talking about the playoff committee, right? Because I have.
0: Yeah, we're talking about if if Florida State runs the table, is there a chance that you do you believe that that fans have a reason to be concerned? They could be left out as a thirteen and zero AFC AACC champion. I almost called them AFC champions that like they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, which if uh, you beat the Chiefs, I think you got to go in. Yeah, yeah.
3: Because I uh, okay, good. Because I have I have so many. Th- okay, if Florida State goes undefeated, they're not getting left out. Okay, even with no Jordan Travis, it's not happening. Now I fully expect. Florida State to be fifth in the playoff rankings this, you know, in the next show, right? But I don't care. Uh that it, it means nothing. Only the very last ranking means anything. I do think that, you know, all these things we talked about, you know, I I think the the group that has to step up the most is the offensive line. Uh, I think they were a horrible disappointment against North Alabama. They were absolutely terrible. It was embarrassing. Um, and, and again, I do think they're going to look worse because you lost Jordan Travis, so they need to step up. But with all of that said, I think they should still beat Florida and Louisville in convincing fashion, right? We saw FSU open as like a 10 to 12 point favorite over the Gators. I expect them to open just as much as a favorite against Louisville, so I expect them to win both of those games. I expect them to be undefeated, and an undefeated conference champion is not getting left out, right? Because I think I this weekend we're already going to see playoff games, right? Georgia, you know, Georgia-Alabama is going to play, right, in the SEC championship. That's going to be a playoff game. But this coming weekend we're seeing Michigan-Ohio State. That is a playoff game, right? The loser's out. So, Because I don't think either one of them are good enough to both get in. So whoever loses, they're done, right? They're going to face Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And if that team wins again, then they're in. So, you know, I think Washington, right, they're talking about they could face Oregon again. Uh, I guess it will probably be better for Florida State if Oregon wins, you know, and then the committee has to pick one between Washington and Oregon, who who's going to go in. But you're not going to pick two one-loss teams over an undefeated Florida State. You're not going to pick three of the one-loss teams, right, with, you know, say Michigan, Ohio State, you know, whoever loses, and then also Oregon and Washington. So, I, I do think the Big 12's out. I, I think, you know, they need help. Like someone like Florida State has to lose. Uh, and I think the SEC is right behind them. I, again, I think they were horrible out of conference. They're really a, a much weaker conference so far this year. And Georgia is still my favorite to win the title again. Uh, Bama's obviously come on in the last month. But an undefeated Florida State's not getting left out. They're just not. And if you have four undefeated Power Five teams, all four are getting in. I this whole thing of like, which. One loss out of like the four one loss team should we put in there over undefeated four State? It's just not happening, and people are going to whine and complain. Say, well, you know, they're not the same team; they don't deserve it. It doesn't matter. They're they're an undefeated team. You're not leaving an undefeated team
0: out. Now, I do think you make some good points. I do think the teams playing each other will sift itself out like you said ohio state and michigan you've got oregon versus oregon state this weekend presuming they win that then it's oregon versus washington in the pac-12 title game again uh winner of that presumably is in loser is out um you do have texas lurking on the outside to ben's point it's a it's a team that uh is a name brand that i'm sure they would love to put in there if they can because at the end of the day the playoff they can sit there and say we're here to put the best four teams in the playoff. It it is a made for television product and and they're going to make a decision that they think is best for their product. I do think that, that, that Louisville game will be close and a good game um, and, and very competitive differently. I still do think Florida state gets in if they run the table. Um, I think the scenario that most concerns me if if Florida State were to be an undefeated team and get left out is if Alabama beats Georgia, um, because then you end up in a position where you are arguing basically for the last spot between the, you know, is, is Washington an undefeated Pac-12 champion, the undefeated Big Ten champion, presumably Alabama is going to get in if they're beating Georgia. And then it's you versus Georgia for the last spot. And, and, and you know, it's tough to be two time defending champion who loses one game in Atlanta. If it's close. I mean, I could see that, but where I still end up was with you, John. I, I have a really hard time imagining this team. If they, if they do beat Louisville, who is currently a top 10 team in an ACC championship game, I don't see how you don't put that team in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. They're,
3: they're- they have to. I mean, could you imagine having four undefeated teams well, sitting pass. on the table? And they pick, well, yeah, right. But if they have four undefeated teams sitting out there, right, all conference champions are undefeated, and you pick a, one of the four or five one-loss teams over one of the undefeated, like, I know we're going, we're about to go to a 12-team playoff anyway next year, right? And really, we talked a couple of times on this spot how how amazing this year would be if you if you had 12 this year. But that would – I mean, what is the point of any of it? Because, again, you could talk about, you know, schedules and this and that and all this other stuff, but going undefeated is hard, right? And for Florida State to finish this out, win the next two games without your starting quarterback, I mean, that tells you the team is good, right? Doesn't it say the team's good? I, yeah, are they better without Jordan Travis? Obviously not. Uh, would I expect them to do anything without Travis, in the, you know, in the playoff? I didn't really expect to do much of the playoff anyway with Travis. Right. But, you know, so I know there, there are maybe college football purists that would be upset about the fact, you know, Florida State did get in. Um, But I, the other thing, too, though, I mean, again, wins and losses to me matter more than anything else. And you play who you play. Uh, we did schedule LSU, right? That yes. has to count for something. Um. You know, I think it's crazy to not give Florida State credit for beating LSU, who's going to have the Heisman Trophy winner. If that, you know, that's what it looks like. So, I, I, I just—is it possible? Yes. I, I think it would be bad for the sport if Florida State's undefeated and they don't get in.
0: Yeah, I think you just need Louis, just to have Louisville win this upcoming week. Um, I, I forget who they is. It Kentucky is that their is that their end of season rival, right? Kentucky. Um, yeah. So. Presumably they win that game because Kentucky is fairly bad. Um, and then you have a top 10 win on your resume with Tate, even as your quarterback, I, you know, that's, that's where like, even with Tate as your quarterback, Hey, look, if you, if you discount the LSU win, which I, you know, I've been ad nauseum in here saying that's a still a good win. Um, you've got a top 10 win with your backup quarterback on your schedule. Your, your quote unquote best win right there with your backup. We're, we're in like, that's, that's where I think that ends. So, uh, ben, you, you got to speak first and then we gave me all of our points. So I don't want to leave you on like, well, that's all you said.
1: <laughs> well, Did we
0: change I, your mind?
1: I, I think I, I definitely get where you guys are coming from. I think you're you're probably more right about this than I am. But I will say right now, and not to say, you know, Vegas knows everything, but if you look at the odds, Vegas does not have Florida State making the playoff. They have six or seven other teams favored to make the playoff ahead of Florida State. Um And maybe that's more so they're expecting. I believe. To lose.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that's probably Louisville based.
1: Yeah. Um, but if you look right now, you know, you can look at DraftKings, which is our partner at Tomahawk Nation. Got it.
0: Our good friends. Yes.
1: Um, And if you look at the teams, their teams, their odds to make the playoffs and the teams that are favored ahead of Florida State are Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Washington and Texas. They all have. As better favorites to make the playoffs in florida state so um you know it certainly seems like betting odds are saying that that's not the expectation but i i i do understand where you guys are coming from that i don't think you can leave an undefeated florida state team out of this um i do wonder if they struggle a little bit just what that narrative is like and, you know, what that talk is like, but ultimately if they are undefeated, they they should be. And you guys have definitely swayed me. Um, you know, I, I think they, they absolutely should if they went out. So I think it's as simple as that, but um, I do think there are some frisky scenarios, like you mentioned, Brian, where Georgia loses, Alabama gets in. And then what do you do about that? You know, I, 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 I just think, as you know, I, I think the main thing I was getting at before was that I wouldn't agree with the justification for keeping a, an undefeated floor State team out. But I think I could understand it more with how things have played out with Jordan getting hurt. But, you know, I, I think if they're undefeated, they should be in. But you, you just never know with these sorts of things.
3: Well, I also again, I I mean, I fully expect Washington to jump up to four in the playoff rankings. Right. Uh, this this week. And so there's drama here. Today, and I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. You lose, you know, you struggled. Uh, you know, a lot of Miami fans on Twitter tried to say that they actually competed with Florida State and almost won that game. Well, the win probability for Florida State never fell below 63% in the first half. It was never below 96% in the second half. Well, against North Alabama, you screw around, you're down 13 nothing It's shocking. Then you lose your starting quarterback in a very sudden and heartbreaking, brutal way. And gruesome, even. Well, North Alabama, according to GameOnPaper.com, North Alabama had over a 75% win probability at that point in the game, right? I I mean, you're looking down the barrel of losing to an FCS team after what you've done this whole season. And then they rallied. And, and you know, they weren't mentally, including Tate, they weren't mentally into it for the first couple of drives after that. You know, Tate had two busted plays. It looked like you didn't even know what the playbook was. But they settled down. They started executing the offense, and they, they took control of that game, and they ran away with it. And... You know, I expect Tate to do the to kind of see that version of him going forward, right? UF game, I don't expect him to come out and look, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. This is crazy, you know, I can't remember what the plays are. I expect him to come out and execute. So um, but do I expect Washington to jump FSU? Absolutely, I do. And I don't have a problem with it. I don't think any FSU fan should should either. But like we've all talked about, it just doesn't matter. The only the last one matters. And I think if Florida State wins these next two games, then you can't, I mean, I don't, I just, not that it can happen, but I would be honestly be shocked if the committee was, oh yeah, we're just going to leave an undefeated power five conference champion out for a one loss team. I just, and, and I've, the last thing I want to mention too, is I know there's been a lot of tweets. I think David Haley ESPN has tweeted this quite a bit, how this season's had way less upsets. A lot of these big teams like Michigan, Michigan hasn't played anybody. Georgia schedule is real soft. Right. Um, so there's not been nearly as many upsets. And I think it's kind of setting up for, I think Bud Elliott too is also uh tweeting about this, set up a lot of late game, like late season drama. I mean, right? If all these big games are happening this last week of the season and then conference championship games, and I think it could set up for, like you guys have talked about, some pretty wild scenarios. But if FSU, I think I think they still control their destiny. I think that's what matters.
0: My favorite point this entire show was John saying, what is the point of all of this when he's asking about if Florida State goes unbeaten and <laughs> gets left out? Because I think he's right. What is the point of all of this if that happens? I mean, what is the point? Well, you win a conference and who cares? Uh, final thoughts. Just going around the table, everyone, uh, one word. You. We all expect them to beat Florida, yes?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, was that, was, was that a, a hiccup yes from John or is that just a yes?
3: Yeah, it's a hiccup. I, Florida's tough, man. It's a rivalry game. They were, they were, they really did dominate, control most of that game against Miami, and the score didn't reflect it. I could easily see something else happen. I think Florida, uh, Florida does have, have some pretty good players. I think their defense overall is not good, but they do have a couple players that that could change the game, make make one play go, you know, their way. Again, I am terrified of. I do have confidence in Tate. I should say that, but I am a little bit terrified of just all it takes is one negative play. And I think he's much more likely to make them than, than Jordan Travis was. And that's what scares me. And you just need one of those to kind of make the game a lot closer than you want it to be. But I do expect them to win. I think they're a 10 to 12 point favorite for a reason, uh, which, you know, it's a two score on the road. So I, that says a lot about Florida State as a team and how much better, you know, everyone thinks they are.
0: Yeah. And, and Florida is coming fresh off of uh probably should have beaten Missouri on the road. And, and, you know, maybe Missouri is not the team we we are used to Missouri being. They are number nine in the country, I believe, and and have some pretty good wins. I believe their losses are to Georgia and LSU. Um, So, they're you know, that's a, that's a good football team that they just took to the limit there. Uh, And again, probably should have beaten. Um, I guess we'll find out. Hopefully they can rally and figure it out. I believe that's a prime time in the swamp, seven o'clock. I believe it's on ABC. Um, so we will see how that one turns out. Uh, I guess the final thoughts is, again, it's, it's it's back to Jordan Travis, the guy, the leader for all of this. Uh, thoughts, well wishes, all with you and, and hoping for a recovery. And again, thank you for putting this team in the spot they're in. And, and hopefully uh, Tate and this, this coaching staff, the offensive line, their whole group can, can rally and pick it up and, and continue the climb, keep marching up this hill and get this program, you know, where it feels like they deserve to be this year. So uh, until next week, hopefully the guys can figure it out this week and uh, rally, regroup, and beat Florida. So let's, let's start talking ACC championship game next week. So until then, for Brian, Ben, and John, that's a wrap.